0: Today, Josh from Wyatt Works. I gather one of the three people in the world that actually like Joe, and maybe two of them are on this podcast today. For business owners, by business owners,
1: this is the Primed Income
0: Podcast.
1: So we got Josh Wyatt of Wyatt Works in Cleveland, Ohio, and Charlotte, North Carolina. Josh is the operations guru slash catch everything else that shows up kind of guy from one day bearing out a drain to the next day making decisions that affects a multi-million dollar company. So uh, that's Josh. He's grown up in the plumbing industry, son of Andy Wyatt. So he falls under our son of a plumber. So he falls under that umbrella. We like to call him that. Josh has, uh, as you'll hear, was in the army. He has a background also in doing some radio stuff. And he actually can sound like the best radio guy on earth. I'll we'll get him to do that for us later. Um, <laughs> he, he sounds like he should be broadcasting out of New York sometimes. We have to tone it down. Josh, stop it. <laughs> just be <a> you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and all around, just a great guy, gentleman, one of the backbone of society, in my view, salt of the earth kind of dude. So.
0: That's Josh White. Josh, we have been regaled with the stories from Andy, his upbringing, and even the life of being a plumber and growing up with kids and having a sterno stove in a sob to keep warm in the winter. And Yeah. Oh, yeah. Could you take us back to your childhood years and share with us what it was like?
2: What I remember was lots of hard work. Being very young, lots and lots of hard work and things from like snow blowing the driveway when you don't really know what you're doing. You're just kind of out there running a snow blower, lots of snow, ice cold, freezing cold. There's this core value we have in our business called uh, the considerate done mindset, which means that you're accountable, you're excuse free, and you get the job done. So as long as I can remember, that's what it's always been is like, no excuses, get the job done, get the, snow, get the uh, snow removed off the driveway, you know, get the plumbing job done, get the room cleaned up, whatever else it is. My dad was a pretty rugged guy. He's not that way anymore. He was, uh, he was a very large beard, big, very dominant, big dude that got stuff done, but also a strugg- he was struggling. And uh, surviving, I guess rather. There's a good side to that Uh, stuff that we a lot of stuff that we we learn how to work really hard. Let me put it that way. And minimal complaining and uh, the value of the dollar. I think you know. I think we learned we learned that uh, from from a young age. Didn't have very much dollars either. We weren't charging the right price or anything. Well, my dad wasn't. My mom and dad they didn't really understand the financial fundamentals in the beginning there so you know there was a lot of uh going out in the field very young very late work hours remember uh he had a toyota pickup truck with a box on the back you couldn't really you couldn't stand up in this thing i could because i was probably short enough a grown man wouldn't be able to stand up in this thing it was like a white box that went on the back and you could open up two little side door two little back doors And then two side doors on the side that would pull down. And that thing was just packed full with plumbing parts, tools, cords hanging out of it. Everything you could think of. Doors would fly open. Parts would literally be down the road. Uh, I remember riding my bike in the summertime. They had what's called chip and seal on our street, which was a cheap way of saying it was paved, kind of. And I remember finding plumbing parts like copper fittings and stuff physically embedded in the tar in the street. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I mean, like all over the place, not something you'd see every day, but you'd be like, Oh man, there's a half inch tee." stuff like that. You know, like, Oh, there's a faucet stem. It was like really rush, 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 go really fast, get the job done. And then you combine that with not really understanding the financial side, and you're like running in circles and never catching up. In the meantime, learning how to work with your hands and become this skilled master plumber. That's the earliest stuff I remember. That and uh, my mom and dad were very involved in church. You know, that was another really big part of our life was we were going to Baptist church. My dad started a church when he was younger in Footville, Ohio. We were all involved in that. Tons of kids, no money, lots of plumbing, homeschooled. Lord have mercy. I went all the way through that, 100%. I'm the only one because I'm the oldest. I made it all the way through. Did it and did the whole thing, 100% legit, graduated and everything. That was the earliest thing I remember was lots of plumbing and lots of struggling. There was tons of
0: struggling. It
2: It was tough. It really was.
0: When we learned about why it works, we learned that there is a kitchen. There is, yes. This was something that started while you and Andy were working out of your garage on the business. Yes. But was that something that you grew up with? Like uh, It almost sounds like the whole neighborhood would be able to come over and and get fed if they wanted to.
2: Well, yeah. Actually, that is true. Now, I will say, to put that in perspective, that started a little bit later down the road uh now of course thankfully my mother did always feed us growing up which was good sometimes it wasn't the greatest you know it was like ramen noodles and stuff sometimes but as things progressed we had this shop at our my parents property uh we called it the building and it was like our plumbing shop down underneath and then up above it was like a little office area that that we had built and running calls out of there. And we finally started to learn things like Next Star practices or things like similar to running a business more properly and stuff. And so we had these meetings real early in the morning. And boy, this now thinking back, that was a really long time ago. My mom would make us breakfast. Absolutely. Uh, she's And she's really good at that. And sausage, egg, and cheese sandwiches and potatoes and fruit and whatever, all kinds of stuff. Super early, you know, probably started at 6.37 in the morning. We're all down there in the cold. Here she comes with this massive plate of sandwiches for everybody or, you know, whatever, all kinds of stuff. Breakfast burritos, all our employees, like plenty to eat is really, really good. We've tried to maintain that culture. That was very family style. We were so much smaller then. Now that we're a little bit larger of a company we've really pushed to maintain that breakfast that uh, that family style it's something that's really important i think to our people and our culture like I mean, it sure is to me too you know like it's something i really look forward to is getting a good breakfast
0: aside from growing up with a dad who was a plumber and and struggling to make it work and trying to make ends meet beans and rice for lunch and dinner. Did you ever have a a different job as a first-time job or deliver papers or work at the grocery store?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did all, uh, well, not deliver papers. Yes, I did. So I uh, I was probably actually working with my dad on a regular basis, probably around age 12, 13, 14, something like that, on a fairly regular basis. I think it was 14 years old. I, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I don't want to be a plumber, you know. And plus, it's, it was a hard job and stuff. And I, so I'm like, I want to go work at this restaurant. I don't even remember why I wanted to work there. And I learned that lesson real quick, too. Went and worked <laughs> for this restaurant. Real, real, uh, it a little hole in the wall place. It was probably about 10 minutes from my parents' house. Uh, at the time, it was called Skeeter's 19th Hole. And they used to have dollar spaghetti night and all this stuff. It was a, it was the place. I'm telling you. I mean, we loved this place. I went there and they needed somebody to wash dishes. Seriously, probably 14, 15 years old. Being a plumber is tough, but man, so is washing dishes, and getting Agreed. 40 bucks for eight hours of work. And oh, that's yeah. not a joke either. Oh. Uh, hands just covered in that. You know where you touch something and they rip open because they're so soggy. I did that for a while, but I learned real fast that it wasn't uh, much better, if if better at all. Not as rewarding either. I did work at a health food store in Cleveland Heights called Nature's Bin. Did that for a while. And uh, and I did that because I had some friends working there. And I actually worked for uh, our company. At that time, it was called the Wyatt Company. We were in Garfield Heights, Ohio, which is... South of the city, right in the center. It was an awesome location physically. We were connected with another company. We were running about four trucks out of that location at the time. So I worked there in the mornings until uh, like mid afternoon. Then I went and worked at Nature's Bin, the health food store later. And it was more of a party. It was like I was that age where you know, I could work 14 hours a day and it wouldn't even affect me. And we just had a blast working at this grocery store. So I did that for a while, too. I was in the Ohio Army National Guard, and I was deployed. uh, I think I did roughly about three years full-time and then about three years uh, inactive time. So I did uh, police work at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base as basically like like a military cop, kind of. And then I did Hurricane Katrina clean up uh, when that was going on. That
0: was a really big deal and quite an experience. That was well, a really big deal. I was, uh, yeah, I was in scared. Pensacola when that happened. We just got yeah. done with Ivan the year before and then Katrina came through and made Ivan look like a, a little you know rainstorm. That was sure. huge. Sure. I'll bet that was an experience.
2: It was it really was quite an experience. It was um it wasn't the longest deployment or anything. I think it was only there for like thirty five days or something. We were there distributing Water and food and ice to the public. Semi trucks full of this stuff and shipping them out and moving them around and going and distributing them and stuff. It was—I've I've never seen anything that crazy, honestly. That the destruction and it was like a different world. It really was. It was a cool experience. It was also like it makes you think like how lucky you are to not have your town hit by a hurricane. Uh, But yeah, I was in the military. Uh, When it was time for me to, I could either get out or they call it re-up, meaning you sign up again for another term. The military is not for me. I mean, I did my job and I did it the right way and everything. And I got out honorably and all that. It's definitely, I want to run a business with my family. And the military is a very, it's very important to follow procedures and follow rules and not necessarily make your own decisions because that stuff's been done already. And there's a reason behind all that. And I have full respect for it. But I want to innovate and I want to grow our family business. So I decided to to get out after my time was up. I think that's the majority of my other jobs. Oh, and then I was a golf caddy. And that went on for somehow I fit that in there. That was during summers and stuff like that. And physically a good job. I know golf really, really well, and I have no idea how to physically swing clubs. I I know the job, so I think that covers it all, though, and I kind of just did that in between
0: the other stuff somewhere. You mentioned that you wanted to run a business with your family. How did that idea come into play to a serious, this is what I want to do and not just a, yeah, that's what I was familiar with growing up. But where did your mindset go? Okay. Instead of going to this uh, solid, uh, I'm going to you know get a paycheck on the first and 15th To I'm going into the family business. I'm going to invest in myself and I'm going to make this my thing.
2: Government paychecks are good. They're really good. Uh, especially active duty, like, like the financial side of that was great. But if you go back to what I was saying earlier about growing up and working really hard, really young, we were raised to push hard and figure things out. And I mean, that's something I'm proud of. And it, it, it that is a very true statement. Like we really were raised that way. Uh, my whole family is like that. Even my sister's the same way. Uh, my mom, all of us. I I remember like doing those like little things like working at the grocery store and, and stuff like that. I always had a little bit of guilt in like the back of my mind, like I need to be helping my dad because I know he's worked really, really hard and he's still out there struggling. And I was getting older to the point where I knew that I could help out more than I was as time went on. At that point, we also started to get some real training on like he got involved in what was called Contractors Two Thousand back in the day, which is now NextStar Network. So he got involved in that uh, with like Frank Blau was probably the main one, and George Brazil, and he learned how to actually run the the numbers uh, financially and make a profit, stuff like that. That was really exciting for us as a family, obviously, because it's like, wow, you can actually make a profit, and you don't have to struggle the whole time and and so as, as he figured that out, he, he taught us that. And the potential there was huge. But Also, I could tell he wanted us to work with him, too. And, like, we're, we're a very tight family. We have, a, we have very good communication. I could tell he really wanted it. Like, I'll joke about it and say, like, well, I didn't have a choice. I was just forced into the business or whatever. The reality is I wasn't forced into it. I want to do it. And I love what I do. I, I really do. Like, I, I enjoy coming to work every day. It's absolutely crazy and I do a million things all the time, but I'm doing it because I want to take care of my family. That That is the reality, like my immediate family, my brothers,
0: my sisters, my parents. We, we talk about income and, and obviously the name of the podcast being Primed Income, but income is more than just a financial thing. Sure. And it seems as though when we go through these stories and listen to the stories more and more, it's... You know I'm doing this because this is what I feel best about doing, and my paycheck just seems to be a byproduct of that, like yeah. the ability to have a livelihood, to treat my family well, then provide that to other families for those employees, the teams that we have yeah, absolutely. that seems to be the the reason Josh, that leads me to what fulfills you, what is it in your job, in your day to day? that gives you this feeling inside where you lay down your head at night and you're like, man, my world's pretty good.
2: What, what it really is is it's like this. I don't, I don't think that every night when I lay down. I think about continuous issues in the company, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, I'm thinking about day-to-day stuff. I'm thinking about people, employees that have issues and customer problems and, and truck issues and stuff like that. When I stop and actually go back and think about it, though, what the drive really is, is it's my mom and dad are getting ready to be done with this company. You know, they're, they're, they've done their time and uh, we're going through a succession plan, which is a really big deal and it's a very important process. And it's something that I know has to be done properly and carefully because stuff like that can really hurt families if it's not done correctly. And so we're going through that, and I, I think the really big motivator and satisfaction I get out of this is, you know, they always say, you know, sons want to make their fathers proud or whatever, which there's a lot of truth to that. And my mom and dad, I want them to be able to do what they want to do for once in their life, be able to chill out, buy things that they weren't able to buy before. They are the opposite of gluttons, the opposite of materialistic. They're the most giving people. I want them to just be able to just, you know, have a little bit of something. At the same time, my favorite thing in our entire company is our Christmas party that we have every year that we've made a ridiculously big deal out of. And I hype it up all year. And you can't hype it up enough because it's always better than, than you think.
0: More than just the ugly Christmas sweater party? More than that?
2: Yes, way better. We've (laughs) got the best prizes. We've got the best people. The women have the best dresses. And everybody's smiling. And we're giving out awards. And we've got awesome food. We've got drinks. We've got awesome venues. We go out afterwards. I mean, it's an absolute blast. It is just the best of the best. What you said about going back to... Giving other families that place to work. The wives are there and all that stuff, or husbands. They're there enjoying the whole process. Building a business where we can give people a place to work and truly being there and truly trying to take care of these people. And I mean that like deep down inside, like actually caring about your employees. That to me is like massive. And I know it's true in my heart. And I know that's how it is for my mom and dad and my brothers. I know that other people can see that because it is real. That to me is like the ultimate thing.
0: I have to pause for just a second here because every once in a while I hear a little jingle. And I notice that your shoulders dipping down a little bit. Do you have a company puppy that your hand is underneath scratching behind an ear right now? Yeah, it's trying to keep
2: her. She gets bored and... She starts barking.
0: I love it. What's her name?
2: Her name's Larry. I'll show you.
0: Her name's Larry. Larry. Oh, my
2: word. Oh, yeah.
0: she's a furry thing.
2: Yeah, she's a rotten
0: one. But <laughs> I love her. She, yeah, tell us about her.
2: She's a labradoodle. My ex-girlfriend and I got her. Surprise, surprise. I'm the one that's got her. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad, though, because I love her to death. I've had her since, boy, 2015, I think. She's getting up there, a little bit getting up there, mm-hmm. um, but she doesn't act like it. And she comes to work with me every single day, and she goes to Charlotte with me, and she goes to the bank and the gas station and wherever else you need to go. She's, she's with me like 24-7 pretty much. It's kind of ridiculous. Where does the name Larry come from? Cleveland has a really rough part of town called East Cleveland. It's the actual hood of Cleveland, like the real deal. Uh, and you get off at Eddie Road. It's south of Brattonall, right south of the lake. And it's, it's really hard down there. So one of our best customers of all time, his name was Luther Ware. Luther and Bernice Ware, they're the ultimate customers. I don't know if my dad told you any stories about them. They had a nephew and this guy was the biggest sleaze ball you've ever met in your house. He was so sleazy that the sewer backed up at one of his rental properties. There was kitchen grease all over the basement floor that was about six inches thick. And this poor sure. family living in this area. And we went over there to clean the sewer up. And he didn't want to pay the $600 to have it cleaned up. And he was wearing silk shirts. And he was greasy. And he was real sickening. And he drove a Cadillac and he wouldn't talk to you, and he wouldn't look at you in the face and talk to you. And his name was Larry McMidgen. I'm dead serious. And I don't know how it happened, but that's where Larry's name came from. And it, it doesn't make any sense because she's not the same type of person or dog or anything like that. She's definitely named after that guy. So that's the reason.
0: I know okay. it doesn't make
2: any sense, but she's also a girl, and she's named Larry, so that doesn't make any sense either.
0: That's why I had to ask, because <laughs> you've got a, a girl dog with the name of Larry, and I've i know. never met- Keep in
1: mind, though, Evan, everybody in Josh's family has been given by Josh at least two or three nicknames, and they all know him. Yeah. It's hard to keep up, but they all have Fair multiple enough. nicknames. So him having a dog <laughs> named Larry after a sloppy dude, it's not surprising yep. at all.
2: <laughs> no, no, it isn't. Yeah, my my everybody's gotten used to it. They don't even really talk about it anymore. But it's because I love everybody, care about them, and they they just they get nicknames. You know,
0: can't help it. It works. It works. Yeah. Josh, let me bring us back on track. Sure, uh, you had talked about you know some some days you lay down your head to the pillow and you've got. the the day-to-day stuff that you got to work out and and there's always something going on because being the business owner, isn't just one job. It's every job. Yeah. No doubt you have had some sleepless nights. Sure. And as you sift back through those, is there one that stands out that made the biggest difference or, or made even a large difference of stuff that you figured out and were able to push through some of the hard times or good times or, You had a sleepless night, and it made a big difference. What was it?
2: You know, we've made some mistakes, made some serious mistakes financially. We've made mistakes from in from a training perspective. We've had some major insurance claims, things like that. Honest mistakes. You know, uh, we've had technicians uh, flood a house and caused us lots of money in damages and stuff like that. As an overall thing, I think that. Something I speak on a lot, too, is humility is really important. I think humility is extremely important. In our business, like crazy, it's important. The people that don't have humility don't end up working. Uh, They're the wrong people because they can't grow. The the reality is make sure that we learn from our mistakes. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Not learning from our mistakes is obviously really stupid because they're going to, we're going to make them regardless. And so when we do make them, I feel like we've been getting better and better over the years at really honing in on like, why did that really happen? And how can we truly improve that? I hope that answers the question. I I think that's where,
1: where you're going with it. So there's a theme that surrounds why it works about doing it right. Yeah. And I know Absolutely. you're, you know, your dad has, has, Many examples of hey look i' if something has messed up, and I go yep. back and I fix it and there's no charge, and I give them the money back, sure, but the other yeah part and that's is the, reality. Is, the, is the integrity part that stands behind that yeah
2: that's that's absolutely true, uh Joe, and so I recently learned uh, recently, meaning probably within the last like five to ten years, I recently learned what I believe no pun intended, is the true meaning of the word integrity. It's not to do what's right, necessarily. It's to do what you believe is right, I think is the way that I interpreted it. So having integrity is, if I believe that it's right, go take care of this customer and give her money back and still do her job for her. If I believe that that's the right thing to do, then I'm absolutely going to do that, without question. There are times, too, where you want to appease customers because you don't agree on something. And a lot of times the company has to be the the bigger person and walk away and say, we want to make sure you're happy. And we know deep down inside that we didn't really do something wrong, but we feel it's the right thing to do in this situation. Doing what's right, what we believe is right. We do that without question. Uh, We do that in every aspect of our company.
1: The hiring process with you guys is pretty extensive. You know, when you take a person who's used to a certain kind of thing, right? And then you put him into your system of do the right thing. What have you seen how that changes somebody? A lot of times they're used to just, hey, do it to where it's good enough. And that's what most yeah. people are, you know, but you guys are not that. Company culture is the key
2: to that. I truly believe having a culture of people. And this is easier now that we have more people than we used to, of course. We've created a culture where we follow our core values. This new guy that I hired, his name's Billy. We call him Billy G, Billy Gibson. He's an angel sent from heaven. This guy is such a huge help for me. I want him to win employee of the month. He's super awesome. The day I hired him, I said, Billy, because we have a 90 day screening process. That's for starters, just across the board. If you're, if you come on, You're on preliminary terms for 90 days. After 90 days is when we really decide to say, okay, you're hired. I told him, I don't care what you know. I don't care what your skill set is. I don't care about anything other than I need you to follow the company core values. That is what I need. If you can follow the company core values for 90 days, that means that chances are you're the right person at that point. If you're really struggling that hard to, to follow those core values, then you're probably running out of willpower and you'll probably snap somewhere along the way. Billy G happens to follow the company core values flawlessly with no problem. But going over those core values with him ahead of time, being very, very descriptive and specific about how important those are and what we're looking for, i feel is really important. The other guys that are out there working, cleaning their trucks, coming into the office, the dispatchers, everybody we have in the office and stuff like that, they're following these core values. And so if you don't follow that stuff, you stand out like a sore thumb. Nobody wants that. We're creatures of a herd or whatever they say. Uh, You want to be part of the group. You bring in somebody and they're, they're not on the same page as everybody else. It's not that we want them to be robots. It's that we want them to follow our core values. But they stand out like crazy. If you walk around the shop here and you don't have your shirt tucked in, it's a rule we have that I don't like. Personally, I love not tucking in my shirt, but I tuck it in at work because being on board with the vision of the company is one of the core values. We don't really use foul language in our company. We're not one of those companies that does that. Now, By no means are we all perfect in that sense. Of course, that's not the case. You know, you hear words now and then and here and there. But like our guys would never in front of a company be using the F word left and right. Like that's not the culture we have. And they know that. And if they did it, then they know that that wouldn't want to get back to myself, my father, you know, like people like that. Like because we haven't created that culture. You know, that's not who we are. And so I think that's the biggest thing is are you part of the group or are you not?
1: If you were to look back when you and your brothers decided to really grow the company, give me a kind of a starting point that really bounced you forward.
2: My brother, Seth, is a very big reason. Uh, Seth, you know, who runs Charlotte, he is a very big factor in our company growth and a big push for us. So there was, uh, I can't, at this point, I can't remember, I think it was 2017 or 2016 or something. We decided to go to the next star event. Uh, we decided at that point to consider joining. And Seth was there and he wanted to be part of the company. And I'm sure if and when you interview him, he'll tell you all about that. He sacrificed a lot. He came to work for the company, uh, even though he was working for a marketing, a different marketing company. It was a great job that he left on very good terms and all that. He wanted to grow our, the business in Charlotte. And so he sacrificed a lot. He moved to Cleveland and he, he helped us grow our business to the point where we could afford to open up a Charlotte shop is what happened. And so that was, a, that was a really, really big turning point right there. It was like 2016, 2017. What's wonderful, and this is credit to my mom and dad, I feel, when it's all said and done, we somehow get along with each other. And I think that's what's really helped us like crazy is staying on the same page and also caring about each other. we're not we're not trying to grab all the money and run. You know, like we're there to really take care of our family.
1: Let me back out of my rabbit hole and <laughs> give the air quotes back to Evan. You gotta say air quotes during this podcast, by the way.
0: Aside from your air quotes epic Christmas party, air quotes. What is your biggest success? What are you most proud of?
2: From a business uh, perspective, I'm, I am proud of running a business that has, that has grown in a healthy way. You know, when I look back at it, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of how we've grown, and I'm proud of the fact that, we, that I feel we've truly done it the right way, especially from a moral standpoint. It means a lot to me to be able to say that stuff to people and other business owners and actually not have to fluff it up. That
0: means a lot. What book or podcast or audio book are you invested in at the moment?
2: Well, I'm supposed to be finished with it, but I haven't yet. It's called Atomic Habits. This book, Atomic Habits, is absolutely fantastic. Power of Minor Changes. Little changes over a long period of time. One thing as a leadership team we're doing is we're, we definitely want to continue to educate ourselves and grow. Just the power of habits, really, just to sum it up, that's, that's the current one.
1: For the longest time, you know, we, we've had some we, – we talked about some of the Wyatt Work stories. There's a lot of fun stuff we put in the ads. Uh, you know, we are, we've already talked about, um, you know, backing your dad out of the driveway – with the lady oh, in the yeah. heels. I tried to get him to talk about hanging Luke upside down.
2: Oh, yeah. But that one that's, didn't that's, really get touched on. He was thinking of a different story. Because, Joe, he doesn't remember the one that you know because he was driving to Pennsylvania to buy the pipe freezer while it was happening. And I can tell you what happened if you want to know. I do want to know. And I can even make it quick. Luke and myself, Luke was probably... 16 or 17 years old, I was probably, you know, 22 or 23 or something like that, roughly. And we're working in, in, you know, inner city Cleveland. And it was just like the consider it done attitude that's gone wrong is, oh, geez, you've got a pipe broken under your yard. And so we just went and got a backhoe and just started digging in the yard (laughs) with no experience, basically. I mean, that's basically the, the way that it happened. Uh here Josh, get on the backhoe and start digging, and sure enough, Josh starts digging in the yard, thinking back on it, there were some things that we legitimately didn't realize we were supposed to do before just going and digging somebody's yard up, you know, and and, and that stuff has since then been corrected, and now permits are properly pulled, and <laughs> But at that time, you know we were customer couldn't flush your toilets. And it's Friday night and it's three o'clock, not Friday night, three o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday. These poor people can't flush their toilets. We got back hose and we're digging front yards up. No idea, like we were just digging and we got to fix the pipe. You know, what are we going to do? I excavated and sure enough, snapped the water line, copper water line. Then we got a hole that's eight feet deep. In Cleveland, Ohio, sewers are really deep. They're like eight, nine, 10 feet, sometimes deeper. It's a massive hole, massive. You need a ladder to go in there, type deep. No shoring, no nothing, like super dangerous, ridiculous. The hole fills up and Luke and I are, and my dad are just like, oh boy, here we go. How are we going to shut this off? Sure enough, we go get our water key. You're supposed to be able to put the water key down the the, the curb stop and shut the water off. Well, you know, it's underfunded Cleveland, Ohio, where Lord knows where our tax money goes. Lord knows where the water department is, Um, but you can't shut it off. There's something wrong. It's eight feet underground. It's on the the city side. We at least know enough to not dig the road up without authorization. That was good. (laughs) It fills up and it fills the sewer system, of course, but it's filling up the hole and it's pouring out onto the yard and on down the road and running right down the street. Uh And we're talking a lot of water here. We're talking about a large, you know large water line that supplies a whole house. It's spring full blast, full volume, uh fills up, and then it's a mud pit mess. But it's a nice square trench that's uh very large and very deep. And my dad said, "Well, we can't turn the water off. I don't know what else we're going to do other than get a pipe freezer." Oh, what we first tried to do is before he left. Luke went and, and this is where the story gets really good. Somehow we had like like a workout suit in the back of the truck. And it was for like, if you're going in like a crawl space or something really dirty, it happened to be in there. And Luke found a pair of like those breakaway run, like run pants, you know? And so he goes in the back of the truck and closes the door and he changes into... Basically nothing but these tearaway pants, you know, run pants or whatever they're called. And so he comes out, no shirt on, no nothing. It was probably fall. It was getting pretty cold, actually. He's like, okay, I'm gonna try to get down in there and see if I can if I can physically bend the pipe and shut the water off underground. And we're like, holy smokes, but you gotta remember, like, Luke's a tall guy, but he's not eight feet tall. He's six one or six two or something. We tried to hold his legs and and dip them down in the water. He held his breath. He had pipe wrenches and channel locks, and Lord knows what else. And you gotta remember, too, this is not clear water. This is as dirty mud pit water as you can get. So we dip him down in there and Being upside down underwater and trying to crimp that pipe closed with the water spraying everywhere and stuff, the disorientation, and it's 45, 50-degree water. That's cold. Freezing right right in your face. So my dad, you know, we were all yelling and screaming at each other and stuff, and, okay, I'm going to buy a pipe freezer. And he gets in his little car, and he drives straight to Pennsylvania to buy a pipe freezer. Because that's the only supply house that had it or whatever out of state. And he's like, you guys shut this. You guys get the water off. Okay. Consider it done, Dad. You know? <laughs> and uh, Luke, he, the kid, is he's unbelievable. Probably took about an hour. But he got it off. And we pumped that thing out. Sure enough, Sandy shows up. That's that by the three, way. Three, four hours. Yeah, Sandy. That's his nickname. Andy Sandy. Uh, he shows up three, four hours later probably, we hooked that thing up underground eight feet down, and we froze that stinking pipe, and we cut it, and we flared it, we put the fittings on, and we shut that sucker off, (laughs) and then we kept digging, and we fixed the sewer.
0: That's
2: what happened, and I mean that's that's the story of Luke being put in
1: upside down. It was a good one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. In my mind, no matter how many times you tell me he was a teenager, he's always twelve when that happened.
0: Josh, if you could go back in time to find twenty-one-year-old Josh or twenty-two-year-old Josh, yeah, what would you say to yourself?
2: If I could go back and say that, I would say. Invest your money. Figure out finances much, much better at an early age. Learn how to be truthful and transparent and talk to people and tell people how you really feel. Don't always do what's easiest. Do something valuable where you're growing and learning. Because later on now as we go, the more, the more I realize like it's, it's really important to be doing stuff. Because like everybody says, everything happens really, really fast. And I, I never for a second thought I would ever be 40 years old. I mean, not for a second. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, I was always going to be, you know, 22 years old and doing plumbing work and stuff. 23, next thing you know, you're, you're 40. I don't have regrets or resentment or anything like that on, on any, any stuff like that. But man, I could have put myself in a much better spot had I not wasted a lot of time. And... um and been more
0: disciplined and stuff like that. I would love to hear those words when I was 22. I certainly would have. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all would have. No 20-year-old will ever listen. That's true, too. So it wouldn't matter if you told them that
1: anyway. <laughs> I know. That's the way it works, unfortunately. Very I just thought to myself the other day, how did anybody let me talk before I hit 40 years old? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I shouldn't even be allowed really, to talk. I can't believe you guys you know, let me talk on here.
1: You're way better at it than I was at four years old. I'm, I'm 49 40 now, and I'm still surprised when people let me talk in front of other folks. So <laughs> I hear
2: you.
0: This has been quite a ride from Luke going down in the hole that uh, needed to be dug out, or you know, a line that was broken, or maybe didn't. Up water. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, maybe didn't. Right. The epic Christmas party, Larry the dog. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's a lot more, too, trust me. Uh, Skeeter's restaurant, Mom's Kitchen again. Good grief. What a ride, Josh. Thank you so Uh, very much. One thing about Mom's
1: Kitchen. Yeah. Evan, one Mm. thing about Mom's Kitchen as you're pulling, as you're shutting this down, it's not just there. Bum's Kitchen is also in Charlotte. Oh, yeah. Because when we went to Charlotte, the very first thing that happened, Andy and Luke were making everybody breakfast. Before anything else happened, everybody was sitting down to eat breakfast there at the house. As yeah. Happened.
2: Yeah, and now we actually have a kitchen at the shop in Charlotte. And, of course, here in Cleveland, and, of course, at Sisson Road, where my my the old shop is you know really appreciate you having me i love talking about this stuff i mean who wouldn't you know it's but i I appreciate you asking me for for you know my input and and uh experiences and stuff that's awesome
1: on this episode josh wyatt find more info at primedincome.com All right, Evan, turn the recording off.